Welcome to Leaders in the Arena. My name is Hannah Lancaster. I'm a senior consultant here at Bridge Innovate. And we are a global network of business strategists, consultants, and designers that team up with you to spark distinctive strategies, courageous leadership, and agile change to transform your organization for growth and good. This podcast is designed to share valuable insights and lessons from our clients and network to support your innovation journeys. So we are excited to bring this to you through a live recording and webinar and, um, and then into a podcast format. So it is our pleasure today to have with us Tom White. He is a former Senior Vice President of Investor Relations at Unum. Um, he worked with Unum for over 40 years, where he was responsible for setting and executing strategy for communication with the company shareholders, sell-side analysis, and rating agencies, and was also responsible for assisting in setting the company's corporate philanthropy, philanthropy program. So Tom now serves on an immense amount of boards, some of them being the Tennessee Board of Regents, the Lynnhurst Foundation, Chattanooga State Community College Foundation, United Way of Greater Chattanooga, the Austin Hatcher Foundation, the Montessori Elementary of Highland Plaza, and is a treasurer for St. Paul's Episcopal Church. So <laughs> that is quite the um, the layout. So th- Tom, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited you're here yeah. too. So tell us a little bit about your experience um, and sort of what you um, have going on with ESG and why you thought this topic yeah, was important to talk about. Yeah, no, this is fun to be here. First of all, I appreciate you setting this up. And as you said in the introduction, a couple of things, you know, one was my role in investor relations. And, and that involves dealing with the company's shareholders, uh, analysts, rating agencies, people like that. So basically dealing with financial communications. And uh, an interesting phenomenon that has developed over the last several years is this whole ESG concept. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, relatively new. It's growing, but it is, uh, you know, a very significant one. In that, uh, it's it's very important. It, it touches kind of all aspects of, you know, a company's uh, sustainability efforts. Uh, ESG. So, a little little education, mm-hmm. you know, and, and background. E is for environmental, and so you think of that. You know, you think of you know the uh, greenhouse gas emissions, biodiversity. Um, you know, letting investors know what the impacts of the environment would be on the company, you know, Mm. if, if, you know, how climate change or whatever is occurring, how is that going to impact the company? And so investors understand that. So that's the environmental part of it. And that's just part of it. You know, it it goes on and on. Uh, The social part of it's interesting because that takes into account um, Things like uh, employee engagement, uh, equity, uh, inclusion, and diversity, uh, customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, uh, the how a company is fitting into its community, you know what it's doing there. You know, as you mentioned in your uh, introduction, um, I was very fortunate. I got to be an important part of what Unum was doing in in uh you know with our corporate philanthropy program and so that's why you know, all those boards that you mentioned <laughs> you know those were all ones that i was very interested in you know some yeah. of them uh the company supported and uh you know so i've been able to continue that uh into re- my retirement um and then the last piece of, of social i'd mentioned would just be how a company's products fit into that you know what are the social benefits what's the mm-hmm. social good that comes from the company's uh products and how it meets the needs in the marketplace. Right. So the third piece of it is governance. And think of that as, uh, you know, how I hate to define a word by using the word, but how, you know, how, a, how a company is governing itself. Right. And you think of, you know, a lot of things around, you know, the board of directors, how those directors are, um, how, how they're elected 
by the shareholders. You know, in the old days, you'd have a third of them get elected for three years and then it's kind of a rolling the next third for three years and the next for, for three years. And now the better concept is to have all of them up for election at one time. And so mm-hmm. if you are an outsider and you want to institute some change within the company, you have more flexibility to, to do that because you're electing all of those board members in one year as opposed to every three years. So you're kind of eliminating a little bit of a protection that a company mm-hmm. would have from the outside, which I think is, is ultimately a good thing. Right. But also, you, you know, things like what are the qualifications of those directors, uh, the compensation for not only the directors, but for the uh, senior management of the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, here more recently, cybersecurity right. you know, has, has come up as a, as a big issue. And so all of the, you know, very, I've got very important elements of um, the running of a business, the understanding of how the business works, how it fits into the community, how it fits into its mm-hmm. industry, all gets kind of rolled into this very broad ESG concept. Right. And so that now being sort of embedded into strategies so people are saying now like, okay, this is part of your strategy, not just sort of a department that does this mm-hmm. thing. Um, how has that changed over the last, you know, 40 years of your career? Like, yeah. have you seen that shift? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, you, you know, with the, uh, the, the, there's so many elements of it. And, and you mentioned the 40 years, you know, um, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur in that regard. Not many people lasted with one company for 40 years. But the interesting thing from my perspective is it really, yeah, I look back on it and, and you kind of see the arc of the company over it and how it has changed, how, uh, you know, the, the, the economy over, you know, the different business conditions, business environment impacted the company, how all that changes that we've gone through and, and work-life balance. You know, I was joking with you guys last time I was over here, you know, when I started 40 years ago, it was work-life balance. You know, how, how does my life fit into my work? Right. And, and today you flip-flop that. And it's, it's uh, how does, you know, work fit into my life? Mm-hmm. And a, a funny example is, you know, my, my two older kids were both born in the 1980s. And fortunately, they were born on the weekend. And so, <laughs> so I didn't miss much work. And, and that's the kind of the mindset people had. You know, you might, right. as a guy, you know, as a, as a father, you know, I might get the, the afternoon off, you know, to wow, get my wife home. And, yeah. and now, you know, there are all kinds of uh, paternal benefits, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and Unum offers, you know, a pretty substantial you know, number of weeks off, yeah. which is, which is wonderful. You right. know, when you think you're starting a family and you want to you want to be a part of that process. But but again, it, it's a small example of one of the many changes that have gone on in the, you know, in, in kind of the, the whole business business environment and yeah. work-life balance. I think it's an interesting one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so what have also been um, some essential practices that you've seen Unum sort of take on in that time? Like, what are some things that you saw that they did, like, as she yeah. started becoming... Um, talked about more. What yeah, it, yeah. I'd start, you know, just using my my Unum background. I think is a good one because I think the company has done a, a really extraordinary job over the years of of implementing this and and doing it in the right way. But really, kind of in my mind, kind of started with the governance side of it. And, and the governance was again, you know, the, I gave the example of the election of directors, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of uh, practices that go on uh, within the the board to you know, first of all, make sure you have a diverse board. And not diverse for diversity's sake, but right. diverse for business practice and business reality. You know, Unum is an employee benefits company, and uh, that means you know we're you know we were uh, insuring you know 40, 50 million people 
and they're not all the same type of people. You know, right. they are very different people. They work in different jobs. They have different needs, different um, uh, different backgrounds, and on and on. And, and so, it's important for uh, you know the starting at the board level to begin to reflect some of that diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of experiences, and that kind of feeds into the to the senior management. And and you want to have a, a nice uh, you know diverse group there that represent you know different. Uh, uh, different backgrounds, different uh, educational backgrounds, business mm -hmm. type backgrounds, and that kind of flows through the entire business. So you've got a company that really reflects your customer base. Right. And so you better understand your customer base and you're better able to serve them, provide the products that they need in, in the way that, uh, right. you know, that it's going to, it's going to better their lives. When you said something about, um, not just doing it for the sake of diversity. And I think that that's a really interesting point because it's so often you think people have this like quick fix, like, oh, I'm doing this just for the sake of having ESG, yeah. you know? And then yeah. it doesn't really flow further into the culture because you can tell that like, when you talk about it, you uh, you understood the impact, you know, and the yeah. way and the reason for it yeah. and sort of the back, background behind that. And so um, what is, um, I don't know, what are some of the downstream implications of these things that you've seen companies do that maybe are negative or, you know, people who go for these quick fixes. Um, yeah, yeah. Like and that. again, going back to my example of, of you know, I was talking about the governance and, and how, you know, Unum, I think, really stepped into that initially. Um, you know, probably the, the next big thing and, you know, environment for an insurance company, you know, there's some right. some things that, that we can do. And the company's actually done within its investment portfolio, has done some really good things to make sure that, uh, you know, sustainable practices are in kind of embedded in the investment decision, make, decision making that, the company mm, right. is making, but so you kind of go way. back to the the social part of it, and you know there, uh, you know, just uh, the 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 benefit structure has changed again. I you know I go back and I think of my first paycheck, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know there was you know I got paid, and then you know the taxes come out, and then I you know that was pretty much it. Yeah, and you know you look at it now, and all the different benefits are are different. Some of them are I'm paying for for maybe paying part of it, mm -hmm. but it fits my life. Right. You know, I need life insurance. Uh, you know, I got three kids, I got grandkids. And so, you know, just all the different benefits that are in there that fit my life, very different from what a 25 or 30 year old. Right. So individuals in the company are yeah. like feeling that impact yeah. even through those things. Yeah. So, so again, just being responsive to, you know, what, your uh, you, you, what your employee base looks like, what they're looking for. You know, it's it's not a you know one size fits all yeah. type of situation, right. and that's just the benefits part of it. And then you, you can go to a lot of different parts of uh, you know how how uh, employees are engaged in the company, how they are trained, how they're developed. Um, I think it's kind of fun. I reminisce back to uh, one of my first jobs. I'd, I'd asked. And I was working in the investment department and I asked if, hey, can I spend a little bit of time learning other parts of the investment department that uh -huh. I thought would make me a more rounded employee right. and a better employee? Yeah. And I was told, no, that would not be a good idea because that would make me a more marketable person outside of the company. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, you know, you contrast that with, you know, what Unum and you know, pretty much all companies do now is to really make sure that employees are getting different experiences right. that makes them, you know, more rounded uh, employees, connect the dots. They see the bigger picture 
much right. better. Right. And sure, they might be more valuable in the marketplace, but they're also a heck of a lot more valuable to the company that they're right. working for. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, so. a, that's an interesting sort of scarcity tactic. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest questions is, you know, who sets the rules for these yeah. things? It's different for every company. I mean, what you're saying about like the environmental side, like the insurance isn't necessarily environmental, but the investments that you make mm -hmm. really matter in terms of that. So like, since everything is so different, how do you measure that and who sort of? Yeah. So that's, 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 you know, as I was, uh, uh, again, I, I retired back in September, uh, but, you know, over the last two or three years, you know, just or probably three or four or five years, just the way all of the, the ESG concepts kind of emerged and grew, you know, created, uh, you know, you know, a little bit of controversy. Because, you know, if you take a step back and you think of, OK, I want to have good business practices that are going to, you know, make this company sustainable and grow over time. Right. Kind of hard to argue against that, mm -hmm. but implementing that can be a challenge. And so you get into okay, you know, what are the rules? And then you start to think about um, who sets the rules. And in in the investment world, you know, what's gone on over many years is there's been a kind of a massive concentration of invested assets in fewer and fewer hands. Mm -hmm. So you look at a company like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and Fidelity, you know. They can own forty percent, fifty percent of a company, mm -hmm. and uh, you know even big, big companies like Coca Cola. You know those are they are because you know they're they're very efficient. They have low fees. They offer great service. You know more and more four hundred one k dollars, pension dollars, institutional dollars have flown in, flowed into those organizations, right. and so they have you know mammoth investment bases, and they need to be responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then they start to say, okay, we'll start to set the rules. And a good example is what BlackRock does. And a few years ago, their uh, CEO, Larry Fink, would write a letter. And the letter would go to uh, the uh, companies that they were invested in, which means pretty much every publicly traded company out there. Right. And they started to kind of set the kind of set the rules for what their expectations were for you know, environmental types of things. Mm -hmm. uh, an interesting concept was kind of moving away from this, you know, everything was focused on the value of the shareholder. You know, mm -hmm. I went to business school and I got an MBA and, you know, it was all about, you know, maximizing the value of the company for the shareholder. Right. And so what that has been shifted to is not shareholder, but stakeholder. Mm -hmm. And stakeholder, you start to go beyond the shareholder to, regulators, community, employees, and you get a bigger, broader view of how a company should be behaving and what their focus should be. Right. So again, kind of feeds right into this, this whole ESG concept. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, so that's kind of who set the rules. So the backlash starts to come from, okay, you know, why does BlackRock get to set the rules? Right. Yeah. You know, sure. They got a lot of yeah. money, but you know, who, uh, you know, who, who, who who said that they they're the ones that get to to and set the rules? It's just some of the downstream. So if BlackRock setting those rules, say like Unum will come in and say, okay, so we've gotten these sort of regulatory rules from BlackRock. We now need to talk through this and embed it into our strategy. That's mm -hmm. sort of how it would yeah. happen. Okay, yeah, interesting. So you start to embed it in your strategy. Uh, you can you know go online and like Google plan to meet these Google and, yeah Google right. corporate social responsibility right and, and you'll see you know a 
bunch of different reports that that companies will produce. You know, Unum produces a really excellent one. Right. But it 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 kind of brings all of these concepts together to tell a story about you know what this particular company is doing in all of these areas. Mm-hmm. Now, another interesting point on that, and a kind of a source of uh, contention in the marketplace is again, yeah, you know, we're talking about who sets the rules, what are the rules, but how does how do you gather the information to right. say whether or not Unimus or company XYZ yeah, is doing a good job? Yeah. In a way, it literally works in a lot of cases, you know, because you have thousands of companies out there. Uh, the, the referees, if you will, the ones that are, uh, you know, grading companies on how they're doing are out there literally using bots to go to your website to scrape the data that they're looking for. Mm. And so a company can be doing a wonderful job uh, and and have a very strong corporate social responsibility type program, mm-hmm. but if they're not presenting that information mm. in the right way, that these little bots can go scrape the data and put right, it into right. their system it, to, to generate the score, key metrics yeah. and things. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So that was always you know, and that's something that that we dealt with at work was you know we we thought we hey you know we're doing great things and, right. and we how were, the story and- but how do you tell the story and how do you tell the story in a way that you're going to get credit for it? Hmm. So that that was always a, wow. an yeah. interesting one to deal with. That that seems really tough. Yeah. So what was some of that backlash around BlackRock doing that? So kind of yeah, so some that. of the BlackRock, the, the backlash is kind of interesting. I, I was uh, looking through some news, newsy things this morning. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as, as usual, you know, Congress is starting to keep a little fight heating up over ESG and, and how that gets embedded. Uh, and and I've, I've stumbled across this letter that that something called the Consumers Research Organization had sent to uh, uh, Senator McConnell and Senator Schumer and McCarthy and and those folks and and it, it's 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 really amazing. I'll read two things here real quick. But one is in the letter they say we write today to raise the alarm about the encroachment of another existential threat to our liberty, the so-called investment strategy ESG which is intentionally designed to be opaque, yet seem benign. ESG represents a grave menace to America. All right. And then they go on and they say, uh, similarly, we we hope to continue the process of, of combating the ESG threat by educating Congress and the American people on the inner workings of the ESG mis- machine through this attached report. And the report, the title of it is kind of interesting. It's defeating the ESG attack on the American free enterprise system an overview of the corporate proxy system for oversight and litigation effects. So again, I go back, you've got a very good concept out there, companies being responsible, treat your environment well, treat your employees well, you know, those types of things, but how do you implement it? And that's where, you know, the the backlash comes right, in. Right, right. Who sets the rules? What are What exactly are the rules? How do the rules fit all? How does one set of rules fit all of these different uh, companies right. and industries? Right. And, and if it's and on a clean implementation, then people get their hackles up. You oh, know? yeah. And it's, you know, because I yeah. think something we had talked about is that, you know, companies with thousands of employees that impact, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, yes, they are responsible for these things. Yeah. You know, I think that's important to have that. But there is something about that measurement and that sort of ambiguity that is makes it really tough. Yeah. Um, so I know we only have a few more minutes, but um, so something about investor investing. So like, well, how do investors know what they're investing in? So like, how so yeah. this measurement just kind of isn't 
50,000 different yeah, layers, you yeah. know, so how do, how do people figure and, that? And that? That's one of the, you know, the things that kind of sets off letters like this is, is you have, uh, well, over the last few years, you've had just a, a tremendous flow of investment funds into ESG funds. Mm -hmm. So I sit here and I say, hey, I want part of my 401k to be invested responsibly. You know, that, hey, that sounds like a great concept. And, and, you know, you can look at different studies that'll probably show you that companies with good ESG scores tend to perform a little bit better. And mm -hmm. then you step back behind that and sure, you know, they, you know, they're, they're investing the resources in, in these types of things. They have the strategies. And so, you know, kind of, kind of makes sense that they would, uh, you know, be a bit better performers, but, but then uh, what you also have to think about is, uh, you know, as a mom and pop investor who doesn't read these types of letters mm -hmm. and, and see this, uh, you know, type of research out there, make sure they they really they're they're investing in what they think they're investing in. Right. And that's where the challenge comes in. And that's where the Securities and Exchange Commission has to, you know, keep an eye on things where the, you know, here in the, you know, the Congress is starting to, you know, look at what kind of rules and legislation should be put around to make sure that, you know, the mom and pop investor is, is protected, mm -hmm. you know, to make sure that what they are, what they think they are investing in is what they are ultimately getting right. in terms of the investment. Right. So what kind of companies have you seen successes out of? Like, what would you tell somebody if they're like, I'm feeling sorely around this whole ESG yeah. thing? Like what, how, where do I start? Like what? Would but, yeah. Like it's, it's funny. I, you know, you, you kind of, you go and hit the Google machine and, and say, you know, what are the, the, the better, the best ESG companies out there? And I, I did that. And, and they tend to be, you know, really mammoth companies. Right. So you, you see the Accentures of the world, you see Microsoft, you see, right. you know, somebody like Coca-Cola. Like Patagonia is probably. On yeah. There. Yeah. Right. And, and again, you know, Patagonia is an interesting example because uh, you know, that really fits with their brand, right. You know, that, that brand, but, but, you know, the point is, you know, it's, Often it's it's the companies that have the uh, the wherewithal, the the size, the scale to be able to invest in something like yeah, this. Yeah, right. You know, you look around and and a, a growing occupation <laughs> is our our ESG experts within companies. Right. You know, every company needs to have one now. Yeah, right. A and uh, um, you know, just just you know, so so the better companies are ones. First of all. I think that that embrace this and and realize that yeah, there's going to be political pressure here and there, but ultimately see that uh, that you know, you know that that underlying all of this are some very good business practices, you know, to make sure that a company is sustainable and profitable and growing over time. Right. You know, that's that's really what what drives it. So so that's where you know kind of the better companies tend to come out. You bring up a, a great example with Patagonia. You know, it really fits with their their brand. Right. Um, on the flip side, you know, you look and say, you know, who's not doing a good job? You know, they, they tend to be, you know, kind of the, you, you get into a lot of the energy companies, mm -hmm. the drillers, the. Um, right, it's not as baked in from the beginning. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there, you know, what that does, I don't want to paint that whole industry, you know, mineral type company, and I don't want to paint all of them as bad. Uh, but, um, you know, because you can see some very good examples of you know energy companies that or or timber companies that you know you chop down a tree you plant 20 mm -hmm. you know do things like that to make sure that um you know the again it all fits into this sustainability mantra 
you know, right. to make sure that, you know, where they are harvesting something, they're also putting something back for future generations in effect. Yeah, I think something that keeps coming back for me too is that it's not a quick fix and that companies <laughs> who just try to just throw something at it or to say, you know, oh, we're far too gone or something, or, you know, it, or we should have done this 20 years ago, but, you yeah. know, we're, it doesn't matter anymore or something. Um, I think it's interesting to, just, to kind of take on these small bits as your company is able to and to really just kind of slowly work towards yeah. it rather than... Yeah. Um, thinking that there's just like one size fits all. I'm just exactly. going to implement this thing and I'm going to hit this metric and it's all going to work yeah, out great. Exactly. Um, but exactly. so I'd love to put this um, out to the people on Zoom who are here at the live recording. Do you guys have any questions for Tom? All right. So um, another question. Oh, here I have one coming in. What suggestion for small businesses who want to be a part of ESG but do not have resources? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and it's a challenge, yeah, because, uh, you know, these, you know, it's not always cheap, but I, but I think, you know, take my, my advice would be to take the small steps, Yeah. you know, to, to uh, understand your employees, understand your customers and see what makes sense for them. Right. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be hard for a small company to boom, come out of the gates with just a, you know, a big, you know, ESG program, you know, of all encompassing corporate social responsibility. But I think the thing would be to really understand what what's important for your company, what's important for your customers, what's important for your employees, and kind of start small and work your way up. But but kind of start with, you know, what's the what's really the kind of the big driving factors for for your specific company, and right. um, you know, what are what are some small victories that you can uh, you can you can implement. And that really kind of ties back to the whole strategy thing. It's like, you can kind of look, like unpack the things that you're already doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, if this is sort of overarching of your strategy, look at like, what are we already doing? Where can we kind of plug these things in or really yeah. adjust this thing that we're doing here? Or, you know, is this something that needs a whole new focus? Um, so I think there's, it's not always just adding on something new, it's sort of adjusting yeah. to something that you're already right. doing, I think is exactly. important too. Um, let's see. We have another one here. Do you have investors continuing to look for demonstrated ESG results for future access to capital? Yeah, so that it, it, where that question kind of takes my mind is, um, you, you know, a little bit is is where is ESG important? Mm -hmm. And it'd be funny because I would, uh, you know, in in my meetings with investors, if if I went to Toronto the first question I would get would be around ESG practices. Mm -hmm. You know, if I went to London, the first question I would get would be around ESG practices. Right. If I go to New York, it might be the 50th question that I would get. <laughs> right. And, and the way I would interpret that is um, what, what those US-based companies, it's not that ESG is not important, but they really want to see how it's embedded in your business. Hmm. And, you know, do you have a thoughtful business strategy? Are you treating your employees well? It, 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 is your board, uh, you know, do you have, you know, sound and contemporary governance practices? You know, do you have that cybersecurity expert right. on your board? Right. You know, those types of things. And, and, and so it would be, uh, it'd be kind of interesting. And, and, and I, I distinctly remember a conversation it's been about probably about five years ago, but I was, I was talking to one investor and she kind of looked at me. She got through her list of questions and kind of, then she kind of sheepishly, we had about two minutes left in the, in the meeting. And she very sheepishly said, um, tell me what your ESG strategy is. And then she started, she kind of laughed and she said, I was told to ask that question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it really kind of goes back to, you know, 
that was an institutional investor there uh, investing money on behalf of clients. And, uh -huh. and those clients were starting to hear about ESG and wanted to make sure that the companies they were investing in, like Unum at the time, we're starting to think about it. Right, right. So she really didn't know what she was asking. She had no idea what an ESG strategy <laughs> was, but it was just kind of a check the box kind of thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that's changed a lot over the years. And, and now, you know, it, it is much more forefront and, and uh, kind of top of mind. Okay, so we have another question here. Um, in an economic recession environment, how do you make the case for investing dollars in ESG versus other investments? Yeah, so uh, I, I think, you, you, again, you probably just have to look and think about what are the, the specific impacts from a recession on, on companies and, and what, the, you know, what the industry is. Again, you know, if, if a company has you know, just good, solid overall ESG practices embedded in the company, then um, you know that that probably tells you that they're going to be in a position to be able to kind of bob and weave and mm -hmm. and and you know also understand you know for their business what are those impacts what do they need to be thinking about you know if you watch CNBC there's this looming recession out there right. and you know six months from now there'll also be a looming recession out there it just kind of keeps <laughs> kind of keeps getting put off but I again I think within you know, kind of that probably within that whole governance framework is is having the the uh, you know the forethought to really be planful about what you're doing, what your strategy is, being nimble, understanding what the risks are to your business, right. whether it's economic or or political or you know whatever, and right. and having you know plans in place so that if you do start to see you know recession come on you know you're able to kind of pivot and understand you know what do i need to do with with my business right. whether it's on the expense side you know different products maybe that you need to emphasize in the marketplace well it seems like it's also you know if you have this sort of baking your strategy hopefully you're like as you're saying you're a little bit more nimble you can be a little bit more agile so it feels like it's all like both and you know like you can yeah. have this and still mm -hmm. have the return and sure. you know it doesn't have to be meaning that you are making these big changes that are ultimately going to shift your whole market. Yeah. You know, I think exactly. that, yeah, it's really interesting. So um, we can need to wrap up. I know we're like a little bit over time, but this has been so interesting, but I have um, one more question mm -hmm. for you. Um, so we always ask as a leader in the arena, what is one piece of advice that you would give to other leaders? Yeah, it was a really good one. And and I, I think what I would say here is, is just be aware you know, be, be aware of, uh, you know, be aware of the extremes. You know, I, I read this letter and, and it's just the kind of the, the one far side of it. Uh, but just to kind of understand what the issue is, understand uh, what the kind of the extremes are, because they're, you know, kind of, in effect, push them away, but really understand how this fits into your, you know, if you're running a business, how this can benefit your business. Uh, what are the ways to get those quick victories that I talked about? Right. If you're on the investment side of it and you're looking to invest, you know, do the research, you know, understand, you know, where you're putting your, their, your, your, your investment dollars, understand, you know, what that, that invest, investment manager strategy is, what are the kind of the, the, the protocols that they go through you know, to make, to make the investments. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that's, again, kind of going back to like, be agile, you know, be aware so that you be can aware, be aware, be agile, Yeah, be nimble yes. in that process. You know, 
I can come back in six months and this will all have kind of continued <laughs> to involve or evolve. Yeah. And, and there'll be some other, uh, you know, interesting things that will have come up. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a constant I evolution. I think that's, you know, kind of what's exciting about it too, is that there, again, there's not a quick fix. There's not one thing that you can do. This is something that's going to continue to shift and change and mm -hmm. just the way the market would or yeah. anything else. But yeah. um, so if people want to stay in touch with you or ask more questions, what is the best way to do that? Do Is it through LinkedIn, um, your email? Probably email. I'm, I'm a little bit of a neophyte when it comes to LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, I think I have, well, I, I won't get into that, but probably email is the best thing. Okay, so, great. Yeah. And then what is your email? It's, uh, I'm now I'm old school. So it's an AOL email okay. account, but it's T-A-H white at AOL.com. Okay. Thomas perfect. Arthur Henry White, T-A-H white at AOL.com. Perfect. Okay. So you guys heard it here. If you have questions or anything else in the Tom, feel free to email him. Yep. Um, and we will be back next month um, with another really great guest. So stay tuned for that. If you want to hop on live for these podcast recordings, you can do so. Um, make sure that you just go to bridgeinnovate.com and you can find all the information there. And thanks for joining. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Leaders in the Arena. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or subscribe to Bridge Innovate on YouTube to be notified when new episodes release. We also ask that you share this episode with anyone else who'd be interested in hearing from these leaders. Leaders in the Arena is hosted by Bridge Innovate. Learn more about us at bridgeinnovate.com. And while you're there, register to join an upcoming live recording to the podcast for free. See you next time and stay innovative.